Well, good morning. Aren't we grateful that the Lord did that for us? I would like you to turn, if you would, in your Bibles today to James chapter 4. We'll be reading there in just a couple minutes, so you've got plenty of time to find it. I want to talk about, uh, for the next 25 or 30 minutes that we have together, the pretty massive subject of life. So we're going to try and talk about life in about 25 minutes. Tom Heyman, in his book, In the Average Lifetime, showed that the average American in his lifetime spends three years in business meetings, 13 years watching television, $89,281 on food, consumes 109,354 pounds of food, Makes 1,811 trips to McDonald's. Maybe that's gone up since they have that dollar menu now. $6,881 in vending machines. Eats 35,138 cookies and 1,483 pounds of candy. Catches 304 colds. Is involved in six motor vehicle accidents. Hospitalized 10 times and spends 24 years sleeping. Another fellow named Richard Needman in his book, Wit and Wisdom, reported that the seven ages of man are, and if you want to think about life on earth, it could be for some characterized like this. There are spills and drills and thrills and bills and ills and pills and finally wills. I've just uh, titled what we're going to be speaking about today is Here Today, Gone Tomorrow, and really just the subject of the brevity of life. Eighteen times in the scripture, you're going to find that there's this descriptive imagery to communicate the brevity of life here on the earth. Just going to share a couple with you very quickly before we read in James. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. Psalmist also writes, For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. Then in James chapter 4, verse 13, he says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Scripture is very clear on that. Got here just a little bottle. You think about it. Scripture says we're like a mist. 
1001, 1002. A mist. What the Bible wants us to remember is a couple of things. One, that, and I think we know this, but maybe we sometimes need to be reminded of it, that life is short, isn't it? In the United States, on the average, and the census came back, or this figure came back in 2008, that the average female will live 80.8 years. Males, we're not, we're not as close as that. We're 75.8 on average in the United States. So you break down the average for men and women in the United States. Statistics show that the average person lives approximately 78 years on the earth. But you go to a country like Mozambique, the average lifespan when you combine male-female is 42.1 years. The United States is, in looking at the list, not number one. Actually, Japan is. The average male lives 86 years. But you go all the way down, and Mozambique is one of the last countries on the list at 42 years. It's very much a testimony and only confirms what the Word of God says about the brevity of life. Two weeks ago, when I was working on a Sunday night shift, came in at 8 o'clock and worked till 4 in the morning, that's a nice shift because it's just eight hours as opposed to the 12. In one hour, three people w- slipped into eternity. A six-month-old, probably due to SIDS. A 47-year-old male who had fallen asleep on the couch and never woke up. His wife, two hours later, thought he was still sleeping, but he wasn't. And then just shortly after that, a 78-year-old female. And, you know, I'm somewhat, I don't know if it's at a disadvantage or what, or it's an advantage. It depends on how I process it. But because of where I work and what I do, I deal constantly with hearing about death. I don't see it. I saw that last year, as you're well aware of, with my parents. And in both cases, uh, just watching them. Thankfully, as the God's children, but nonetheless, watching them slip to that point where, and maybe you've seen it before with loved ones, where you, you just know they're slipping, they're leaving earth, and they're, they're headed into eternity. They're headed to another place. And sometimes it's, it's noticed if you're in that situation and you're able to watch it, it's, it's a process, it's gradual, but you watch the breathing. You look at the difference in the body temperature. And I remember holding my mom's hand back in December and just watching her body temperature dropping. And yet, conversing still with her and leaving at 11.30 that night and thinking that I had a couple of more days only to have it at 4 in the morning, her slip into eternity. And yet, 10 minutes prior to that, she was speaking to one of the nurses at the rehab in Danville. Sometimes it's sudden. Sometimes it's gradual, but that's the process. And one of the curses, I think, or one of the blessings, I'm not sure which, like I said, it all depends on the day, is I'm exposed to this so much that on the one hand, what it makes me do is it reminds me constantly of the truth of this in the Word of God. But the encouragement, what I want us to get when we leave here this morning, if you're not already there, is is that the, the, the subject of eternity is really something that we ought to totally embrace with joy if we know Him. 
It's not something to be fearful of. Even though I hear when people call me on 911, there's that absolute raised pitch of anxiety and sorrow and grief when it's a baby or it's an adult, whether a young adult or an older adult, whatever the case may be. And so there's that natural thing we struggle with, isn't it? That in one sense, we don't want to let go of those we love. And yet, if they're God's child, we know that he's calling them. And they're just responding, if you like, to his call. And so there's that tension for us who are left behind. But if in your own situation, when you're coming and you're going to the physician, or you're going for your physical, or whatever it is, that you don't have to have this crazy fear that if he says something bad, does this mean I, what's going to happen is though we have no hope? Because as his children, we do. Amen? We certainly do. I was talking to a brother in Christ who, to keep this, pro- this prospect of eternity right before his mind, he has a calendar, an actual calendar. He showed it to me where he marks the seasons, winter, spring, summer, and fall. And it's set up so that for like 2010, it had winter, spring, summer, and fall, and he X's it. And he said, you know, I've lived so far now approximately 40 winters. I've gone through 40 springs. 40 summers and 40 falls. And he was looking at this calendar. And he has it projected out to what the average lifespan is. And because he said because of his diet and being not as in condition as he thinks he should be, he's already X'd off some of those 75 years as though it's already not going to happen. And so he's mocked off 78, 77, 76, 75. And he says, here's, my, here's the window. I've lived this. Obviously, he doesn't know how long he'll live, but this is potentially my window of opportunity as one of God's child to have an influence here on the earth for the Savior. When you look at that, you might say, well, that sounds really kind of morbid. You know, maybe it's just kind of depressing. But yet, nonetheless, you could also say it's kind of sobering. It's kind of sobering. And you just say, thank God for every day he gives. Every day he gives. But I want to remember that it's not endless here on the earth. That phrase, here today, gone tomorrow, you think of it this way. Money, happiness, and all the other good and desirable things that we want in our lives and desire, they're here today, but they're gone tomorrow. What it means is those things, those kind of possessions, they won't last forever and they won't last very long. Another thing the scripture, I think, wants us to remember when we look at these verses in Psalms and in James is is that not only is life short, but life is so short now, this could be a little, bit, it's a little bit depressing when you hear this, but life is so short that actually we're quickly forgotten. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 16, Solomon says, For the wise man, like the fool, will not be long remembered. In days to come, both will be forgotten. And you think about that. If I were to ask you today, who are your parents? Name me your parents. I'm sure all of you here could name your mother and your father. But if I were to ask you, okay, can you name, please, your grandparents? What was your grandfather's name? What was your grandmother's name? Can you tell us uh, when they met? What was their first date? What was their occupation? When did they die? What was their birth date? 
Maybe not so sure. Hey, what about your great-great-grandparents? Do you remember them? Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And this is really a, a pretty cool portion in Scripture where, again, Solomon is bringing this out. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. It's kind of halfway in the middle of your, your Bible and then go past Psalms. might also be up on your screen shortly. Ecclesiastes 7, verses 1 to 3. A good name is better than fine perfume. And the day of death, better than the day of birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. Those are very, some very interesting words, aren't there? Aren't they in Ecclesiastes chapter 7? The day of death better than the day of birth. I think if you were to ask a number of people that question and say, would you agree with that? If they didn't know Christ, they'd probably in a heartbeat say, I don't agree with that at all. I was at a, a memorial service for a friend's uh, father passed away on last Friday. It was a very short 20-minute memorial service. Both sons got up and spoke briefly about their dad, who they obviously loved, and he was a good father to them. And then a particular uh, fellow uh, of the clergy got up and just said, you know, it's not my policy to, to speak or preach at a service. So he just said a couple of words, and we were out of there in 20 minutes. But you know what was missing from, from what I was hearing was I didn't hear any hope there wasn't any mention of what now? Where, where has this man, 79-year-old man, gone now? Where is he? Is there anything future? Is there anything for him that's going to happen in the future? It just ended, and we went on our way. So you ask yourself, when you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and then you see that statement by Solomon, how is death so much better than the day of our birth. Job uh, wrestles with this question too. In Job 14, he says this, but when a man dies and is buried, he goes, where does his spirit go? If a man dies, shall he live again? Then he said this, this thought gives me hope so that in all my anguish, I eagerly await. And notice his words. He says, sweet death. I eagerly await sweet death. Now, if you remember Job and you remember the situation there, that guy was going through a ton, a ton of trials. Just about everything that couldn't happen happened in a heartbeat for him. And so in all his anguish, he came to this place where there was all this back and forth that he was getting from his friends and so forth. And he was just thinking, you know, these counselors, sometimes, you know, it'd just be better if I leave. And he was in a state of depression. But he also has this turnaround where he realizes throughout the course of this discourse in Job, that you know what? This anguish, it is going to end. And what is going to be better is to be with my Redeemer. And that day is coming. It came for Job. And it may be around the corner at some point unless the Lord Jesus comes back. And isn't that our hope? It says The scripture says we should be looking for the blessed hope. That within the next ten minutes you may not have lunch. You may not get your lunch today. Uh, I may not be going bowling with my uh, brother-in-law who's getting married next week. You know, we don't know. 
Jesus may be coming back before I finish. But if he doesn't come back and he chooses to tarry a little bit longer, then the reality is, is that what's going to be happening at some point for us is we're going to be leaving this earth and we're going to be headed and ushered, if we know him, into heaven. And that is a wonderful thing. So when Solomon writes that, when he says that, that the day of death is better than the day of birth, it's true for the believer. It really is. Because all of what we've experienced here will be over, and now we're going to be with the Savior. And like we were singing, we're going to actually be seeing Him face to face. And I know as believers what happens is, is we know that, and we, and we say, you know, I'm going to be with the Lord, and it, it, they're with the Lord, and we, we believe that, and we mean that because it's in the Word of God. But sometimes maybe we, it's kind of just a somewhat shallow kind of comment that we make, and we haven't really taken in and really thought about this future place, this eternity of where we're going with God. You know, we plan and we, we, we're very aware, especially at my age now, I'm thinking, you know, about this word retirement. It seems to be more on my mind than ever before when I was in my 20s. I wasn't thinking retirement. But you start thinking about the future, but thinking about the future as to what does God maybe have in store for the next 10, 20, 30 years, 40 years of life on earth. And so we kind of plan. You hear people at work talking about, you know, I got another home I'm going to be going to and I'm buying property in the foothills and in the gold country and all of this. And everybody's kind of getting their nest egg ready. But yet as the believer, while we may be doing that too within whatever the right context is, there is this other residence that's waiting for us. That the Lord Jesus says in John 14, he's going to prepare and so when you think about it, there is this ideal place that is already reserved for us. And the, the difficulty is, is that we just can't tell yet when it is. We don't know how soon. But just because it's kind of hard because we can't see it doesn't mean, in fact, that is, as the scripture says, a reality. And why we ought to be thinking about these things, these, and I have three points that I'd like to raise before we leave is why we ought to be thinking about the brevity of life and how it's good. And again, I don't want you leaving here discouraged by this. I want you encouraged by this. Is The first thing is this, is what is to come is longer lasting than this life. Verse 2 in Solomon or Ecclesiastes 7 basically says, For death is the destiny of every man. Death's got a 100% batting average, doesn't it? You know, it's the old cliche, death and taxes. And these are subjects that a lot of times what people want to do is they just want to put the earphones in, crank up the iTunes, and just basically say, I don't want to think about this stuff because it's an unknown, it's fearful, it's somber, it's sobering, and it's all of those things. And I think maybe you are aware of maybe one or two people maybe that you know in your life who really kind of have the attitude, not that it's just positive thinking, that they honestly may think, you know what, I, I really don't plan on dying. You know, I, it's not going to happen anytime soon. And they, they have this sense that I'm very much in control of when this is going to happen. And it'll happen when I choose for it to happen and when I'm ready, right? Have you ever come across folks kind of have that mindset? 
You sometimes see it and you look at certain folks in magazines, and I won't go too much into this, but you can see that, you know, I think they're about 70, but they look like they're about 30. And maybe in that whole process, they're just trying to, in a sense, say, I'm just, I want to put off what I think is going to happen, but if I kind of just keep trying harder and harder and harder to be going backwards in how I look, then maybe I'm going to be putting off this issue. Verse 2 tells us that death rate for human beings is 100%. Ecclesiastes 2, Solomon also says this at the end of verse 16. He says, like the fool, the wise man too must die. You're probably familiar, maybe you've memorized the verse in Hebrews 9.27, that it's appointed for man to die once. And after this comes the judgment. Job went on to say in Job 14, he says, he springs up what man does like a flower. And he withers away like a fleeting shadow. He does not endure as far as on earth here. And like I said, unless Christ comes back for us, this is an invitation of how he is going to usher us into his kingdom in heaven. And I trust you know this, but the moment a person dies, they go and they meet God. Bill McDonald said, our eyes may be closed to the reality in this life, to that very thing, but they are wide open once one minute after we die. Our eyes may be closed to the reality in this life, but they are wide open once one minute, one minute after we die of the reality of this truth. And I'm so grateful, and aren't you as well, that the, that the story isn't like maybe I would have been uh, led to believe if I had known nothing when I went to that service on Friday, but that the story doesn't end when somebody passes here on earth. Aren't you glad about that? Oh, death, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And I'm well aware, and because of just was at a service two weeks ago of a, of a brother in our small group fellowship that had been in part of our group for uh, quite a while. He fell down the stairs back in December, a man in his early, late 60s. And he healed from that. It was a significant injury. And he went in just to have a little work done on his neck to kind of just kind of wrap up all the, the damage that had been done. Doctor said, you'll be going home tomorrow. To get a, the wife, his wife, he was a widow and she had been a widow. His wife of a year and a half got a phone call. He's gone in a coma and he went to be with the Lord about six hours later. Is there a, is there a, it was, is that, was that painful for her at the memorial service? You bet. Was she in a sense of shock and grief? Absolutely. Her world, just like that, God has seen fit in his wisdom and in his love to just turn it. But it doesn't have the sting it would have if we didn't have Christ and we didn't know him. It's, it's tough. But it doesn't have that fatal, lethal, if you like, spider or snake bite of what happens when you get stung. It's not like that. And it's because of that good news that you were celebrating today at communion, isn't it? Of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished. That it completely, it completely changes everything about our attitude about eternity if we know him. It just... It's just a 180-degree change in how we viewed it maybe before we knew him 
to how we know it now that I'm going to be with him forever and ever and ever. And I don't know if I heard this illustration. I actually saw it a couple weeks ago, and I don't know if this helps you. But if you just take this average rope here, and if I could make this about uh, 100 feet, and I could just have us all kind of take a portion of it. And this rope represents eternity. But if I was to basically say, if we took this rope, and I just threw this thing all the way across, and if this rope was to go around not only Alameda County, but head all the way east into back east and Boston, if you like, go across the Atlantic, get into Europe, eventually head up to Asia and come full circle. And then if it could, this rope could be, was long enough that it could just do a whole nother set of laps, about another 100 million laps around the world. And that was still just a drop in the sand of eternity. That would be telling us something that eternity is a long time, isn't it? And yet that doesn't even, that doesn't even capture it. But here's the thing. If you take this blue part right here, you might see this here. This blue part represents our life here on earth compared to eternity that goes on and on and on. And if this rope could be extended 100,000 times around the world, and yet you take this blue rope right here, and this is where we are right now. When you're born, this is where it starts on earth. Maybe you're right here about right now in, in your lifespan. And there's an event here where there was marriage. And then a couple little strands further, there's, this is when you had children. And this is when you're going through that tough time when you lost your job. And this is the time when, you know, the finances are really struggling. And maybe there was some sorrow that some elderly parents had passed away. And this is when some of your kids now, they're now no longer just been born. They're now in high school and in college, and right about here, they're now marrying. And you kind of go on and on and on, and you see that, you know, somewhere in this, this is where we are. But the encouraging thing is when we go right here, this is when we leave this earth, and God then ushers us into his wonderful home that he's provided for us. And so wherever you are here right now, the thing that gives the encouragement, as the Scriptures wants to remind us of, is that this might be a tough time right here. Or this might be a wonderful time of blessing that you're experiencing in your life. But something else could be just around the corner. But guess what? It won't go on forever. And that may be a good thing, depending on what, what you're in. God's encouragement to us from his word is just keep on going. Keep pressing on. Don't, don't think it just stops there. That whatever he has you going through right now, whatever that trial is, whatever that discouragement is, he wants you to just keep pressing on. Because he has something else for us. Not only is it uh, is what is to come longer lasting than this life, but secondly, what is to come is to be seriously considered, isn't it? And this is what the writer says in uh, chapter 7 again. He says, it's better to go to the house of mourning than to a house of feasting. And you say, well, you know, if I had my pick, I really would rather be at a house of feasting. <laughs> I mean, if I said, hey, let's all go on a tour today. And we're just going to go to uh, some mortuaries. And then after that, you know, we'll then go to some graveyards. And, you know, we'll read some tombstones. And, you know, we'll go into some of the gold country. We can read some really old tombstones of people that lived back in the 1800s and 1700s. And, and I said, or, you know, you got a chance to go to the, the social where there's going to be your food, you know, that you're going to have planned in a couple of weeks. And I follow me out to the funeral and to the mortuary. And I have a feeling I'm by myself. You know, 
There may be one or two loyal ones of you to me that might say, you know, we'll go with you, you know. We're going to follow you. You promised to stop and take us out for lunch or something, but there's got, <laughs> got to be something in it. And yet Solomon says, you know, there's advantage to this, and I think you probably understand why, isn't there? It's not that God wants us to be morbid, um, but there's value, isn't there? There is value when you, when you don't just shut yourself off, but you may say, God, are you calling me to go visit a care home and visit the elderly? Would it be something that you'd want for me this week to go visit the sick? Um, and maybe I don't even know who they are, but you know what? There's, there's lonely, a lot of times, older folks that have no one. And so you go there, you go to that care home, you go to that rehab, you go to the hospital and you see and, you really, and it reminds you, you know what, thank God I may be in the good health I'm in right now, but there may be a day I'm going to be there. There might be. Reality is, men, I didn't see too many men in these places that I've been in the last year. It's mostly the ladies. By, they have us beat easily, eight to, eight to one, easily. Maybe God is saying that. Maybe, you know, and it's not that you, you have to say, you know what, hey, the, honey, the papers come today. Let's open up and read the obituaries first, you know. <laughs> Instead of the sports page or whatever else, I'm going to go to the obituaries. No, it's not that. But when you do read them, it just is a reminder of the truth of what the Word of God says. And so we don't want to run from it. And there may be some of you here and you look super strong on the outside. Man, you got big muscles, and uh, that could be male or female, and you're, you're, you look really good. But you know, quietly inside your heart, this is a subject that you're fearful of. And this is a subject that, you know what, take me anywhere. I don't want to go to a mortuary. I don't want to have to be at a funeral for the sick, to a hospital. I want to stay as far away as I can from those places. Because, in some cases, what it does is it reminds us because... This might be where I'm going to be. And that's how we deal with it. And you may need courage today. Uh, I confess I do. Sometimes when I get to the doctor's office and he starts, you know, and blood work and all that, I'm, there's a little bit of that white coat syndrome that I got going on. And I have to stop and say, why? I mean, what's, what's the worst he can say? Um, you know what I mean? There's that kind of tension that we have of one foot wanting to stay here as long as God has us, and yet on the other hand, saying I, it's kind of like dipping your toe in that cold water, saying this is where eternity is, this is where I'm going to get into heaven, but I'm, you know, I'm really kind of preferring to stay on this side. And I don't really want to cross that line. And yet, as God's children, he needs to be increasing our faith as we understand the reality that this is a good thing for us. Now, I'm not suggesting we all drink Kool-Aid today here before we leave and we all go. I'm not saying that. Don't hear that. I'm glad you're listening. There you go. Great as heaven and eternity are, the reality is God gave us birth. He created us and he created us on this side. On earth. But, as I've been saying, I think you get it, our time on earth is short. And yet, as short as it is, God in his wisdom said, you know, I know how long, I, I know the number of your days. I know. God knows 
every day of when your last breath is going to be here, whether it's because he's taking you, which we, we, I think we all want it to be that, all honestly, where we just get ushered because he's come for us, or he knows when it is. But no matter how long it is, that time we have is important. It's important to him. And it isn't like I want you thinking so much about, well, man, what have I done with the past? You know, what did I do the last? You know, was I part of one of these folks just eating McDonald's and sleeping and, and everything else? Is that pretty much summing up what my life has been? Paul says we, we forget what's behind Philippians 3. We press on forward. So the question is, as we, as we get before God and probably need to be on our knees on this, is, Lord, what is it? What is it you want me doing now? What do you want me doing from this day until you tell me differently? What are those things that you want me while I'm here, while those, uh, the clock is ticking, and while you know, that time is moving forward, what, what should my life be about? Do you have a, ser- a clear sense of what God is calling you to do? What does he want you to invest in? You hear a lot of talk about investments. What does he want you to do with your life? Maybe you're doing it already. Is there something else that God has in store for you? Is there some person that he wants you to share with? And he's planted you in that very spot, wherever you are, for that very person. I believe God works like that. We don't want to just be looking so forward. We know like this, where you're just one of the worst kind of car drivers. You know, you're not ever looking, you know, to your left or right in the sense of just looking around. What is it that God's doing? And lastly, third, what is to come is eternally pleasurable and beyond our comprehension. I think the value of thinking about eternity and this is a work that I'm at in, and I'm, this is an area where I'm wanting to grow in, uh, in, my, in my walk, is that what the consequences of it are is it causes me to love God more and fear death less. Because in my situation, like I said, I, I seem like maybe six, seven, eight times a week, I, I'm, I'm aware of another person's dead, another person's died, another person died. And one of the questions I often want to know is, is well, how old were they? It's interesting that I do that because my dad always did that. And it's kind of just strange. It's not like I purposely think to do that. It just happens. I'm curious to know how old they were. And there's a certain sense of a reason I'm wondering that because I just sometimes you just want to shake your head and go, wow, that's, that's tough. That's too bad. And you kind of then think, well, where am I in that scale of whatever their age is? John 14, verse 1 and 2, you know the verse as well. But, man, I, I trust that will just totally absorb into our, our whole bloodstream and our whole being when the Lord said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Now, I read those verses, and I, and I confess, I, to some extent, I think I still see them dimly. You know, there's still a fog when I read those. I've memorized that passage. But I haven't yet fully taken in, and I, and I don't know if I can on this side, that I am going to actually 
be with him. That as much as I see with my glasses on here, I see Adel, and he's clear to me, not as quite as clear with them off, but I still got a vision there. I'm going to see the Lord. You're going to see the Lord. And less important, but nonetheless, it's in there in our thinking. Those who have known Christ and we have loved and who have, we are missing, we're going to see them too. And we're going to have this kind of, it's, it's a reality of heaven. We, we see the reality of what we're seeing here because we see it. But with the eyes of faith, to come to the place to where when he says, you're going to be with me, I don't know what that really means in the sense of how is the Lord going to be able to be with me and you and all of us, all of his children and throughout the ages who have known him. But I believe because he's God, he's going to be able to be with us and it's going to be personal. It's not going to just be this kind of, you know, take a number type of situation because there's so many. I want to close in just sharing just very briefly something that just confirms what the Word of God says on this. this is a book that I just finished reading a couple of days ago. And for me to read a book in one night is telling you something. Um, it's called Heaven is for Real. I don't know if you've come across it or not. It just came out. It's an interesting story of a toddler who was three years old and ten months, and he had a burst appendix. His mom and dad are believers. His father's a pastor of a church in Nebraska. Back in 2004, this occurred in his life. The father, and now the boy is 11, so the father's waited a number of years before this book has come out. Heaven is for real. And he's gone on to tell the story. And really what occurs is the boy, now just think about this, I have four daughters, but the boy, when he's starting to tell his father about his experience, he's four. Three years old and ten months is when he had the burst appendix and he almost died. And then he starts, because the father starts hearing him say some things that has him curious and this is a very godly man. He told his parents what they were doing while he was in surgery at four years old. He talked of visiting heaven and relayed stories told to him by people he met there whom he had never met in his life. Sharing events that happened before he was even born. He amazed his parents with descriptions. He's four and obscure details about heaven that matched the Bible exactly, though he hadn't even learned to read. He told about meeting long-departed family members and the angels and how really, really big God is. And he told his father, as his dad was very carefully asking him information, he said, nobody is old and nobody wears glasses. He described Jesus to the T of what we read in Revelation about him. He said he was wearing white and he had a purple sash. And then very interestingly, he said to him, and his father waited about another month to talk to him about this, he said, Jesus has markers. And the pastor father said, didn't understand what that meant. And a couple weeks later, like I said, he asked him, "What what do you mean he had markers? And as he As he started to tell him, he was talking about what boys and children play with, markers. He said, what color is it? He said, it's red. And he asked his son for, where were the markers? And he pointed here, pointed here, he pointed at his feet. 
I don't know enough about, I can't tell you yay or nay. It, it confirms what the Word of God says. But it's a fascinating story. Heaven is for real. It might be an interesting book for you to read and to give someone who wonders and questions the reality of heaven. In closing, there's a story told about a nine-year-old boy who was walking in the snow with his uncle. And as he reached the far end of the field, his uncle stopped him. He pointed to his own tracks in the snow, which were straight. And then he showed the little boy his steps, which if you ever walked with a little boy, you know how they are. They're all over the place. A lot of meandering all over the field. His uncle said, notice how your tracks wander kind of aimlessly from the fence to the cattle and the woods again. He said, however, he goes, notice my tracks are constantly going toward the goal of where we're going. And the famous architect who was the nine-year-old boy, Frank Lloyd Wright, said it was a lesson that he learned that he never forgot. He went on to say he would, he would never go through life wandering around aimlessly as though there was no purpose. So, brothers and sisters, wherever we are in that blue part of the rope, God's given us time. He's given us time here on earth for what? I trust if you're here today and you don't know him, he's given you time right now to come to an awareness that there's a God. That there's a God who loves you and desires a relationship with you and made it all the, all the way possible that you could know him through his son, the Lord Jesus, who with those markers nailed himself to a cross. He wants you to respond and, and receive him. And for those of us who already know God, he wants to remind us in all the activity and the hustle and all the bustle of life and all the stuff that's going on in our lives that we've got to do. He wants us to keep digging into the word, keep talking to God and searching out in the scriptures. What is it that he loves? How does God think? What does he want for my life? What's on God's heart? I want to tell you, you're not going to have to look too far to see what's on his heart. One of the things on his heart is people. And we live in a culture that pretty much is getting more and more desensitized to people. But God wants you to be a person that has those two ears to listen to the heartaches of others. To be somebody that's listening for opportunity to be able to share the Lord Jesus with them in whatever way it is that he allows you that opportunity. He wants you to be engaged in loving and serving others, and telling others about him for his glory. Life on earth is short. Based on that calendar of what that said, I've got about another 28 years to go. Maybe God will have me here another 38 or another 48, maybe less. He doesn't want us to get preoccupied with when the day is, but he just wants us to be about busy serving him until the meantime. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you that you have indeed given us a future and a hope. And that while we're here on this earth, we don't want to waste it. We don't want to be like the, the parable of where you rebuked the steward who basically took what you'd given and dug it in a hole and buried it and didn't use it and invest it. And so, God, I pray with these lives that we have that today and for the coming week, we'll be just mindful that it's not about us. 
that we're not here just to serve and fulfill all of what we want to accomplish, but that we want to be open to what it is that you want us to do and serve how you want us to serve. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.